We can't say thank you enough to each and every one of you that has taken the time to tune in this morning as we have gone online. It's crazy to think that this is week seven of online streaming, gathering together as the body of Christ. And I just want to continue to encourage you to be praying for our leaders uh, and the world that we live in and everything that's going on and and trusting in God that he's going to get us through. And as we continue online, I appreciate, again, all those who are putting forth effort to make that happen. And if you're on the YouTube page, there's going to be some uh, links underneath there that you can be looking at as far as discussion questions, uh, connect card, uh, respond invitation card, as well as if the... Um, the comments and the chat are a distraction. You can turn that off and you can go full screen and uh, depending on your device that might fix it. And hopefully if you're wanting to have some of the different scripture references there, those will be in the chat as well. And so thank you again for joining us this morning. The theme for Winter Whitewash this past year of 2020 was vision and the the idea behind it for me was the idea to kind of play off on words or numbers 2020 vision and the concept was is God working in our eyesight are we seeing things the way that God sees them and my hope was for each that attended Werner Whitewash 2020 is that they would live out and seek out the vision that God has put in their lives One of our missionaries that we support, Amber Berlin, has oftentimes shared with us the need to be praying for the people that she's working with, praying that they would have visions, that they would have dreams, that God would speak into their lives through those visions and dreams in order that they will see God the way that he truly is. To see him for who he really is and and what he's done for them in their lives and what he can continue to do in their lives. And that is the same prayer that I have for each and every one of us this morning. That we would see God for who he really is, what he's done for us in our lives, and what he can do in your life. And as we've gone through this sermon series on God of the impossible, we come to the end and ask, now what? Now what? As we we wrap it all up, we, we ask the question, now what? Will any of what we have looked at in Scripture over the past three weeks change anything in our lives? Has our vision changed at all? Trying to understand God of the impossible only matters if it makes you change your vision. Has it caused you to look at life differently? God wants to fix our spiritual eyesight. And we see that pictured in the verses that we're going to look at this morning from Ephesians. If you will turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And I I love that Paul begins this little section by saying, I have not stopped giving thanks And praying for you. And that's exactly my feelings for each and every one of you this morning. I have not stopped giving thanks and praying for you that God would work mightily in your life through this difficult time. That God would spur you on. That God would strengthen you in your faith. And I just thank God for each and every one of you. And the encouragement that you are to me. Many of you stepping up to the plate and and reaching out. God is at work through all of this. And as we look at these verses, there's there's some urgent wording here that Paul is trying to get across. In verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's the whole point, isn't it? That's the whole point of the cross. That's the whole point of the resurrection. That's the whole point of spending time in prayer and the word. That's the whole point of gathering together as the body, spending time in communion. You see, that's the point. It's so that we may know him and have a vibrant, active, daily relationship with our Lord and Savior. That's the point. And if we go through all these motions as Christians, just going through the motions of of spending time in God's word and and going to church services and and pretending to be a believer and just going through the, the, the motions, then we don't really experience what God has called us to experience. And God's saying, you're you're missing it. You're missing it, a, a spirit of revelation and wisdom that we may know him. And the phrase that I want to focus in on a little bit this morning is this phrase, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Did you know that the eyes, that your heart has eyes, eyes to see? In fact, did you know that there are things that your physical eyes cannot see, that your spiritual eyes, the eyes of your heart can see. And his prayer is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And I want you to see some things with your heart this morning. Not just with your physical eyes. Not just with your head. But something deeper. Something real. Something that you don't just think about and, and, and just see on a physical level, but something that you really feel. And he lists off three things that he wants us to see with the eyes of our heart that I just want to quickly touch on this morning. The first is the hope to which he has called you. 
And we've talked about hope a lot as we've gone through 1 Peter in our past sermon series. The idea of hope, that we have something better to look forward to. And, and we're supposed to be people as Christians filled with hope. And that's a difficult thing to do at times. In everything that we're going through right now in our world, it's a, it's a difficult thing to have hope. And yet that's what God has called us to. In fact, I, I saw a sign just the other day in many people's yards, maybe even a sign that is in your yard right now that says, hope is not canceled. With so many things being canceled in our world schedule-wise, hope is not canceled. Hashtag Casper Strong. And as Christians, we are not supposed to be hopeless. We are not to be discouraged. We are not to be dismal. We are supposed to be people with hope because of Jesus. We have hope to offer our friends and our neighbors at this time because it is God who is going to get us through. And he goes on to say, riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We have an inheritance as sons and daughters. That inheritance includes redemption in Christ, freedom. Our heritage is to be free. Not only in the life to come, but in this life. We don't have to be bogged down. We are free. That inheritance includes eternal life. We have this hope, this inheritance. And we, when we open the eyes of our hearts to the reality that this life is not all that there is, that we have something better to look forward to in eternal life with our Lord and Savior in heaven, then it changes how we live. All the hard work that goes into living out our lives as believers here on this earth, it doesn't even compare to what we have to look forward to when it comes to an inheritance as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. His incomparably great power for us, for those who believe, is also mentioned when it comes to the eyes of our hearts being enlightened. This, his incomparably great power for us who believe the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives within those of us who believe. And when you repent and are baptized into Christ, Acts 2.38 says that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? It's from the Holy Spirit that we receive that power that Paul is talking about to the Ephesians here. In Romans 8, 11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. For the baptized believer, you have incomparably great power through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Do you understand that this morning? He didn't just send us off into the world with nothing. It's that Holy Spirit's power that lives within us. And so he's saying that the eyes of our hearts need to be opened to the hope, to the inheritance, and to the power that we have in Jesus Christ. And too many times, 
we talk about the belief that nothing is impossible with God, and then the eyes of our hearts remain darkened, and nothing changes in our lives. Now what? is the title of the message this morning, and I want us to think about that in the context of God of the impossible. If we really believe that God is the God of the impossible, now what? Are we willing to open the eyes of our hearts and see the things that God wants us to see? Will you pray with me? God, this morning as we gather together, we are humbled to be in your presence this morning. Father, may you speak to our hearts, may you speak to our minds, may the Holy Spirit that dwells within us for those who believe, may that Holy Spirit convict and change and move in order that you may be glorified. Father, may we live lives that are sold out for you. May we see what you call us to see. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. In order to understand the God of the impossible, I want to suggest three things that we might need to see differently as we open the eyes of our hearts this morning. And the first thing, if you're taking notes, is see God and his word differently. Do, Do you really believe in God this morning? Do you really trust God completely? Do you believe that God is right where you are in the midst of everything that you're going through? Maybe for some of you this morning, you might have a belief that there is a God, and and yet your belief is that he's put you in this world, and, and yet he's so far off that you don't really feel connected with him. And maybe you think that God this morning is a vengeful God who's out to get you, or maybe for others in the world, they, they see God that he's, he's only a loving God, that everyone is, is accepted, and, and, and there's no right or wrong. I want to challenge us. We have to stop seeing God the way the world sees God, and begin to see God the way his word sees God. Our God is the God of the universe, And we need to see him in all his wonder, glory, and power. In fact, uh, I'm excited and encouraged by Nehemiah in chapter 1, verse 5. Nehemiah 1, 5 from the English Standard Version says, And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great, and I, I just, you know, you don't see this word a lot in Scripture, great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Because God is so great, we need to live in reverent fear of who he is. In fact, Luke chapter 1 verse 50 says, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If we are going to begin to open the eyes of our hearts, we have to see God 
for who he really is. Holy, powerful, righteous, just, loving, all-knowing, and on and on and on it goes. Our God is constant, and so is his word. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13, 8 speaks about. We must see God differently, and we also have to see his word differently. We have to see it as absolute truth. There's two men that had an argument, and they decided to go to a judge for arbitration, and the judge had the plaintiff make his case, and, and as the plaintiff spoke very eloquently and persuasive and gave all the reasoning behind his point of view, the judge listened, and when he was finished, the judge nodded in approval and said, that's right, that's right. Well, on hearing this, the defendant jumped in and, and said, wait a second, judge, you, ha you haven't even heard my side of the story yet. And so the judge told the defendant to state his case. And he too was very persuasive and eloquent. And when he had finished, the judge said, that's right, that's right. And when the clerk of the court heard this, he jumped up and said, judge, they both can't be right. The judge looked at the clerk and said, that's right, that's right. For many people in our world, they, they look at the Bible as, as a good book, full of good ideas and suggestions, and they say, that's right, that's right. And then they turn around and hear something from some other source that doesn't line up with God's word, and, and then they say, that's right, that's right. We have to stop thinking that God's word is a book of suggestions and, and start seeing it as absolute truth and, and not just to get to pick and choose and, and say it's right one time and, and then something completely opposite is right the other time. In fact, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we begin to see God for who he truly is and his word as absolute truth, then we can walk in trust, in trust of the God of the universe. And not just talk about it, but really live it. When we open the eyes of our hearts, we will, the second thing, see the world differently. See the world different. We all too often see the world as being so messed up that there's no hope. And before we traveled the U.S. in 2017, one of the things that we were concerned about is, is how we were going to protect our family. In fact, uh, I went through and, and researched uh, 
surveillance system that we could have outside of the camp or in order that we could see the front door and around the campsite because we were nervous about how interactions would go with people in different RV parks and in campgrounds and we wanted to protect our family and, and yet when it was all said and done we didn't purchase any surveillance equipment. In fact over that course of that whole year there was nothing really that really made us nervous or scared when it came to people. And in a lot of ways, it had to do with the fact that God was watching over us. He was protecting us. We were staying in nice, different campsites and RV parks. And, and one of the main things was is that we found that a lot of the people that we interacted with were great people, were nice people, were loving, kind people. And all too often, our view of people is skewed by the media and what they present in our world. And we begin to think that everybody in the world is, is so far gone that there's no way that the hope of Jesus can reach them. And that's just not true. That's just not true. We need to trust in God and see the world differently, that God has a hope. God has a plan. God loves the world and we need to see our neighbors and, and stop thinking that yeah our neighbors are nice people but they don't really want anything to do with church and and so they're really never gonna come to Jesus you see we write people off way too soon because we can't imagine them committing their lives to Jesus and yet what is the title of this sermon series God of the impossible Many of you know Dr. Gerald Parrott. He was one of my professors in Bible college at Summit Christian College. And, and he spoke about a story where him and his wife spent 40 years praying for the salvation of one of their friends. 40 years. Can you imagine that? We, a lot of times, might pray for someone that we care about and their salvation, that they would come to Jesus, and we might spend a week praying, and then pretty soon we, oh, we give up. Because we, we think that it's, it's just there's no hope, that, that they're not willing to come around. Every time you bring up Jesus, they tune you out, and they don't want to hear anything about your relationship with God. But for 40 years, the periods saw the potential, and I, I would say these, the Dr. and Mrs. Perry are people that, that see the world differently, and for 40 years they prayed for one of their friends to come to Jesus, and guess what? Our prayers don't have a shelf life when it comes to our, our relationship with God. There's no expiration date when it comes to our prayers as we pray to God after 40 years. Their friend surrendered their life over to Jesus. And 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Did you hear that? God wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come back home. He is waiting for the word to go out into the world. And so the question is, is he waiting on you and I? Is he waiting on you and I? 
to take the message to the world, to our neighbors, we have to see the world differently. If we're going to live out what God has called us to, and we do live in a messed up world. I'm not denying that. And in order to make a difference in a messed up world, it's going to require us to get messy. In fact, what does Jesus say about how we are to view the world? Mark 2.17. Mark 2.17 says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's not us against the world. It's not us against our neighbors. It's us against the enemy. And for some of us, we see the world like a story of a princess with a problem. The princess is being held by a a fire-breathing dragon. And the king calls out to the kingdom, someone, anyone, is there anyone that would go and save my daughter? That would go and save my princess? I need a knight to go and bring my daughter home. And there was a brave young man that was willing to go and save the princess. In fact, the, the brave young man thought, well, we, we can't have a princess with a problem. I will solve the problem. And so the king said, thank you. Go and return quickly. And the brave young man goes. And he tracks down the fire-breathing dragon. And he sees the princess. And so he pulls his sword. And he goes and he gets rid of the princess. No more princess with a problem. Problem solved. Sometimes... We treat the world as the princess from the story. And that's not how it's supposed to be. The world needs saving. The world is not our enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a spiritual enemy. That's the dragon. That's Satan. The world is not our enemy. They are the ones that are just like you and I. They're just like us, lost and in distress without Jesus. We have the message of hope for a lost and dying world. Will you see the world differently? That you might be compelled to share the good news of Jesus, the good news of God, of love, grace, and forgiveness. And as God opens the eyes of your heart, the third thing that we need to see differently this morning is that you need to see your future differently. How many of you this morning are afraid of your, of your futures? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of us are afraid of what's going to happen over the next week, month, several months. In fact, I talked to one individual just in the parking lot this morning that had just lost their job. 
You see, our futures can be a scary thing, and, and yet we need to see our future differently. My oldest daughter, Bailey, is, man, she's already 17 years old, and, and it's difficult growing up at times. I remember my graduation day like it was yesterday, and after all the pomp and circumstance of, of the graduation ceremony, I just remember wishing that I could go back to being a kindergartner of how so much easier it was to, to try to just color inside the lines instead of going out into a world, into a future that I didn't know anything about. I, I wanted to remain where it was comfortable, and I was afraid of what was to come. And yet 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline. That means we are empowered to live as overcomers. We can see our futures differently. When we begin to see our futures differently, you have the ability to live your life on mission. And for some of you, that might mean that, you, that God is calling you to maybe quit your job and, and to go full-time on the mission field. And for most of us, it, it means that right where you are, you can live on mission for God. Live on mission with purpose and meaning. You are God's purpose on the ground, in your home, among your friends, your workplace, the grocery store, out on the walking path, wherever it is, you are God's person on the ground in the lives of those who don't know Jesus. And God wants your future available to him. And once again, we don't have to be afraid of the future because whatever the future holds, God is already there. Not that God will be there, but that he is already there. You see, we are confined to space and time, and yet God is not. God is outside of space and time, and that means that God is already in our tomorrows. God is already there. And Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overcome you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Isaiah 43, verse 2. Yes, there will be times in your future when God leads you through fiery trials and deep waters. But just as he was with Israel when they went through the Red Sea, and with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, so he'll also be with you. The flood waters won't overwhelm you, and the fire won't consume you. The God who sustained us yesterday is the God who will sustain us tomorrow. And the God of the church that sustained the church and got the church through a hundred years ago is the God who will get the church through a hundred years from now. And I really like the lyrics to the chorus of a song called, I Know Who Holds the Future. It says, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. And once again, if we're going to stretch our faith, 
in the God of the impossible, we are going to need to change our vision. The eyes of our hearts need to be opened so that we may see God and his word differently, that we may see the world differently, and that we may see our futures differently. As the praise team comes this morning, we're going to sing a song of invitation, a, a song of commitment. And so the question is, now what? I want to challenge us. Where's your vision? I don't want us to just talk about what needs to change in our lives. I want us to let God actually change what needs to change in our lives. Let me say that again. I want us to let God change what needs to change in our lives. We serve the God of the impossible. If you need to respond in faith and obedience and give your life over to Jesus for the very first time, I'd invite you. There's a link right under the YouTube video, or you can go to our website, pvcc.info. Click on the respond to invitation card. And I'd love to, to talk with you about what it means to give your life over to Jesus. If you need prayer, encourage you to fill out a connect card or a, a prayer request card on our website or there in the links. May God be at work mightily in your life that the eyes of your heart may be opened up. Will you pray with me? Father, you are glorious, you are holy, you are majestic. You are worthy of our time together this morning. You are worthy of our praise, not only from our lips, but from our actions and our attitudes. Everything of who we are, God, we lay it all bare before you. Use us mightily. Open the eyes of our hearts this morning that we may see the way that you see. God, may you be glorified through our lives. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.